Thank you for listening to the First Christian Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. Here you will be able to listen to all of our Sunday morning sermons. Be sure to hit the subscribe or follow button so you don't miss a sermon. Enjoy today's message. A Hallmark Christmas. Everybody for a service last, you guys are so serious that you don't catch the irony in, in this whole lead-in, that Hallmark Christmas is kind of not the Christmas that we'd like to, we'd like to have a Hallmark Christmas, but not, it doesn't always happen like that, does it? There's always some tension, some difficulty in the mix. And, and I want to just spend a moment, and if you will allow me, I, there's just so many good things that are going on around here, and, and I, I just love being a part of the church family. Before I, I walked up here today, before we started service, someone was telling me how much they liked uh, Bible Fellowship and Sunday School and the community here, and I agree with them. I love it here. It's been a great experience for me, and I hope it is for you as well. Well, part, being part of the Wabash Valley, but specifically Clay County and communities surrounding, it's just a different experience. People matter. We want to know about you, but we also want to do life with you. And during this season, it's not always easy. There's a lot of busy, there's a lot of additional stress. The situation around the world is difficult, but this is a place where we call home and you as family. And if you're joining us online, super excited you're with us. Our children's director, uh, our children's minister, John, told me he's the statistics guy. He loves baseball statistics and he loves church statistics and spreadsheets. So he was telling us last week that we were up 25 here in, in, in service, but we were also 20, up 25 people online as well. And so people are coming back. People are new. And if you're here for the first time, we just want to welcome you. And, and, and we want you to join our family as we serve God and we serve our community and we glorify God. That's just super exciting. I've had people tell me how healthy the church was. I had an email this week where someone said, hey, thanks for extending your arms around us and being like a father and loving us into the family of God. Uh, I've had people comment about how healthy our church is, and we take all that stuff for granted. If you've been around here forever, we just take this for granted. This is community. This is how we do life together. And so it's so, so important, especially when we think about everything that's going on in the world right now with the war in Ukraine and the unsettled nature of the Middle East and, and Europe. And, and we think about division and the political stuff and the strife, and plus the viruses and all the sickness that Dan was talking about and how it affects each of us and our families as we do life together. But, but at this time and in this season, we want to bring the hope of Jesus to a world that is in so need of hope, don't we? We want that hope to spread, and I don't know how you do Christmas and how you do, do life without Jesus, without celebrating what the true meaning of Christmas is. So we want to bring that hope of Jesus to a world that is so in need of hope. So at the same time, we need to be reminded that God is at work 
And, and during this time period, I've got to tell you that people are asking, well, how do I join this church? I want to get baptized. I want to get baptized with my grandchild. I want, I, I've been baptized, but I was told that I was baptized, and I didn't even know I was baptized. So I'd like to know that I was baptized, and I'd like to get dunked in the church. And I say, well, I'm cool with that. That's super exciting to me. And as people look at what's going on outside of the body of Christ, they're saying, hey, I need Jesus. I need the Spirit of God. I need his presence in my life. And I think what happens is that sometimes we face difficulties and problems that we can't solve. And we realize in that moment how finite we are, how how limited and how little control and how uncertain things are, but there's someone greater than all of that. And I've got to ask you this morning, maybe if you're struggling and there's difficulty and there's problems or there are enemies in your life, what enemy stands in the way of you having a Merry Christmas? What's stopping you? And as I was preaching last weekend, I'm thinking, I wonder if I'm hitting anybody. Do you ever feel like that where you're talking and, and, and you just don't know who's being impacted? And I was so encouraged. Somebody said, Chris, I felt like you were just preaching right at me. And I was encouraged to hear that because I believe God's word's applicable and relevant and vibrant and living. So in thinking about enemies and dealing with the difficulty and, and, and having hope in Christmas, let me ask you this question. If you could leave here today knowing how to defeat that enemy or that problem or that difficulty, would you want to know how? Would you want to know that? And so that's what I'm going to try to answer to the best of my abilities. And if you have your Bibles or if you're on the Version app, and, and, and if you're on the Version app, I'd encourage you to join us on a, a Christmas devotion of some type to set your heart right before God through this season. But if you will turn to Luke chapter 1, verse 26, this is the Christmas story. In the sixth month... The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. Please note that, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. I find it fascinating that in that moment, what the angel said to Mary, the Lord is with you. In this overload sensory experience, I can't imagine a scarier moment than when an angel of the Lord, in its brightness, in its whiteness, in its holiness, appearing before you. With all the technology and all the capability that we have, can you imagine something that is so overwhelming to you physically, mentally, emotionally, 
psychologically occurring. And it's saying to you, don't be afraid, God is with you. Wouldn't you want to run and hide? And then referring back to what we've been talking about, how can you have a hallmark Christmas with giant problems like this? Here, here Mary was, betrothed, and now this angelic being is telling her she's going to have a baby. Well, that wasn't a part of the plan. Have you ever had your life interrupted and, and, and something that wasn't planned occurs? Maybe a child, maybe a job change, maybe a career change, maybe a loss, maybe, maybe a gain. Have you had that? We've got to remind ourselves that the God who is with you is bigger than the trouble that is in front of you. Now, I want to encourage you today and tell you the Lord is with you. If you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, if you've been baptized into Christ, if you have the Spirit of God living inside of you, the Lord is with you. If you feel like you're far from God <coughs> and you hear my voice, Maybe you can't hear my voice. <laughs> that was well-timed. God is with you. That is so important to know as we live our lives before God. He is with you. His presence is with you. And God wants you to know today that He longs to be with you. He wants to be a part of your life. In Psalm 34, 18, the psalm writer writes this. And I feel like I'm whispering now. <clears throat> he is near the brokenhearted. He upholds those who are crushed in spirit. God is with you. In verse 30, the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. As I think about this passage, what more could you want than God's favor in your life? Don't you want God's blessing? Don't you want His presence? And this is what the angel was choosing to encourage Mary with, to give her a hope in this difficult situation. In verse 31, it goes on and says, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father. Again, note this, David. You see, David's name is used five times in Luke 1 and 2. Very specific, because the Messiah was to be born of the lineage of David. And if you remember back in the Old Testament, if you remember 
excuse me, in First Samuel, David was prepared by God as a shepherd boy. Now, as Jim said in his communion meditation, the shepherds were the lowliest of the low. But David, as a shepherd boy, learned to practice the presence of God, that God was with him as he is with you. And so, even in this Christmas season, sometimes we get so busy with the tinsel and the decorations and the gifting and the parties and and all that stuff that we forget to celebrate the presence of God in our lives. You see, while David was faithfully protecting his flock of sheep, God was preparing him to save a nation. This young shepherd boy was being prepared, and as he was preparing, was protecting his sheep, his family's livelihood, God was preparing him to be a king of a nation. But what's interesting, do you remember the story about David's anointing uh, to be king? That the prophet came to, to Jesse in the hometown of Bethlehem, and he came to David's house, to Jesse's house, his father's house, and, and the prophet said, hey, bring your boys out. One of them is going to be an anointed king. And so Jesse brought all his boys out, and they, you know, they were standing eldest to the youngest, and the prophet lo- walked along, along them and said, you, know, you got any other kids? Got any other boys? And well, Jesse said, all shucks. I got one out in the field. He's the youngest. He's scrawny. He ain't much, but he's my son. He didn't, I mean, that's not the Bible. <laughs> but that, I mean, if you don't get invited to the party and you're the youngest, you're not that important. I, I'm not, you know, that's just the way it was. So they called him in and, and the prophet said, yeah, that's, that's the one. And he anointed him to be king. But, but realize this. It was going to be 15 to 20 years before he became the king. And he would endure hardship. His life would be threatened. He he basically led a guerrilla band in warfare and fought for his survival as God was preparing him to be the king of Israel. I found this on the web. Wow. My watch even talks to me while I preach. You see, David had learned to practice the presence of God as a shepherd boy. And I can see him writing songs and psalms about what God did for him as he put his faith and his trust as he was doing his job. But, but folks, you've got to realize there were thousands of shepherd boys at that very same time living in Israel but only one was practicing the presence of God. And, and I could ask you today, well, I, I come to church, I'm active in Sunday school, I'm even in a life group. But are you practicing the presence of God daily in your life? That when the trials and the troubles and the problems come along, you know that God is with you, that he is present in your life. And you've dedicated the day before him because you've prayed and you've been into his word and, and you're living a life of faith. 
Now, you remember the most important story, well, the story I remember most. I love a lot of David's stories. If you ever, if you read through the Bible in the year 1st and 2nd Samuel, some of my favorite Old Testament, because it's just, it's enthralling to watch what God does. One of my favorite stories is David and Goliath. And if you remember, David was, uh, what do you call that, food hub, grub hub, or whatever, for, for his brothers who were out on the battle line. His dad had sent him there, and he said, by the way, give his captains and give, give uh, some of the other military leaders some food and take care of your brothers and find out what's going on. And so David showed up, and the Philistines were encamped against the Israelites, and the Philistines' champion was Goliath, this huge nine-foot-tall giant who was battle-seasoned, and he was taunting all of Israel. You know the story. And, and David shows up, and he's fascinated. You know, the Israelites are all over the place, and he's talking to some of the soldiers, and he's saying, what's going on? And he, he hears Goliath taunt Israel, and so why, why doesn't somebody go kick his butt and show him his place? Because he's just, I mean, here's the scrawny little shepherd boy saying, hey, what's going on here? You're the army of Israel. You guys serve the Almighty God. And nobody was stepping up. And King Saul heard about it, so he called him in, and he offered him his armor. And I find that significant that Saul offered him his armor, who had been anointed to be king, and Saul didn't know it. And David said, this armor doesn't fit. I can't do what I need to do in battle with this armor on. And, and obviously what was being said there was, hey, I'm going to be a different kind of king. The way you lead and the way I lead is going to be completely different. And it was because David trusted in the Lord. He celebrated God's presence. And King Saul finally said, you know, he said, what, what's the deal? Why do you want to go out and do this? And 1 Samuel 17, 37 and David said, the Lord who has delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. Because he practiced the presence of God. His hope and his trust, his faith was in what God would do. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Now, I want you to understand what Saul was saying to David is, you only have one hope, kid, and that's God. Because obviously, you're not going to make it in battle. But we know the rest of the story, don't we? See, giant problems require a giant God who is with you. The question is, do you have a giant God? Is your faith and your trust put in Him, in His presence in your life, in my life? Now, i got to tell you, as I was preparing to preach this this week, I wasn't feeling giant God. In fact, when I preach, sometimes God puts me through a cauldron and, and, and prepares me to say to you, here's where I struggle. Sometimes I don't have faith in a giant God. And I have to be reminded that He is over all and in all. And He has a plan and He has a purpose. We put our faith and our trust in Him because He is with us. See, when we celebrate Christmas, in fact, we sang about Emmanuel this morning, Dan. Emmanuel literally means God is with us. He is present 
with us. And we have a God who is a giant God, who is bigger than our problems, a God who is with us. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So what David takes into battle against Goliath was his staff, his sling, and his sling pouch. Very familiar tools of a shepherd boy's trade in that day. And and some of you, and if you're watching online and, and you're new to us, we actually believe the Bible here. That's one of our value statements. But but if you don't believe this story, I just want you to know archaeologically there are there are thousands, tens of thousands of slingshot stones in Israel. In fact, Roman there were Roman garrisons, battalions of slingshotters. There there ought to be a better term than slingshotter. It just sounds wrong. And and they've done studies of recent well, actually, the Roman soldiers actually perfected this whole slingshotting idea, and they would melt down metal like lead and make their shots or their muzzle balls to be able to systematically sling. And, and, and what they found out ballistically, ballistically, did you know you could do this? That these guys could effectively hit something at 200 yards. Now, I can't even see 200 yards. But they could sling them. And you know what kind of impact that it would have? Like a 44 Magnum caliber bullet. Unbelievable. So here's this little scrawny shepherd's boy who could sling shots. And practice the Lord's presence. And those were the tools that he took to battle. Now, I can't imagine that seasoned Goliath, giant Goliath, nine feet tall, the champion of Philistia, would take this little boy seriously. And that was his downfall. But David wasn't alone in the battle. Because... God was with him, just like he always had been. But as he was crossing the battlefield, look at verse 40 of this passage. Then he took his staff in his hand and he chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand and he approached the Philistine. Now, We walk through places all the time and we don't recognize what is around us, what is available to us, what God has for us. But David, I don't know what he was thinking because he didn't have anything. He must not have had anything in his pouch and he was marching out against the giant. That'd be like taking an AR into battle and saying, oh, by the way, I I need some ammunition as I enter the battle. I think I would have been more prepared, but not David. He put his trust in the Lord. And he picked up those five river rocks, and they must have been smooth over the time that they had been in the river. And he put them in his pouch. And we know the rest of the story. He took one rock, one river rock, and slung it at Goliath and put put it right in his head. And Goliath fell. And then David took He didn't even have a sword. 
took Goliath's sword and cut his head off. Now that's gory. I'll give you that. And then David walks away. And all of Israel attacks the Philistines and they have a great victory. And David says, why? It wasn't because he was such a skilled shepherd boy with a slingshot. He says, it's because God was with me. And that's where Dave, David's kingship and why Jesus was of the lineage of King David. So today I want to ask you, where do you need a weapon to defeat an enemy? Where do you need a weapon? Because Christmas is about a giant slaying God, isn't it? When we think about Christmas, we think about Jesus coming as a baby. But we forget God's purpose. In Matthew 1, verse 20, it says, But as he considered these things, talking about Joseph, as he's found out that Mary was pregnant, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. See, Jesus in the Hebrew was Yeshua or Hashua, and it means Jehovah is my salvation. And you see, whether you realize it or not, salvation is our greatest need. Salvation is my greatest need. Salvation is your greatest need. Because the giants in our life, the biggest giants, the scariest giants, are sin and death. They're our greatest giants in our life. And we need salvation. And God is our salvation because Emmanuel, God, is with us. I don't know if you've heard Handel's Messiah lately. I was on YouTube the other night, and Stacey said, what are you doing? I was listening to orchestra music, a little bit out of the norm at my house. I like stuff with bass in it. But, but Handel's Messiah, there's a line in it, and he shall reign forever and ever. I thought it was interesting, Dan. Today we sang about him reigning forever and ever, forever. And he shall reign forevermore. You know where that comes from? Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever. And ever. How cool will that be when we are gathered around the throne of God and we will sing, and He shall reign forever and ever, and we will be in His presence forever and ever. So we better start practicing now because He will reign forever and ever. Is he reigning in your life? Are you celebrating the presence of God through, 
through prayer and through putting your faith and trust in Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know him as Savior? Is Jesus your salvation? Because he's defeated the giant of sin and death in all of our lives. Will you please stand and pray with me? Eternal God and Father, we are so grateful, so, so very grateful to be reminded that you will reign forever and ever. And you reign even now. But also, Lord, that we can know salvation now and forever and ever. And, and Father, through the difficulties, through the giants in our lives, through the temporal ones, and, and Father, through the bad news and in the good news, we pray that we might decide in our heart of hearts that no matter what, no matter the circumstances, no matter the problems, no matter the giants, that we will serve you and serve you alone. And that, Father, you would reign forever and ever in our hearts and in our lives. And, Father, that, that this might be a turning point for some who don't know you. Or some who have marginally followed you, Father, but need to turn it all over to you. Father, for those that, that, that are, are protecting areas of their life that they need to submit and give up control of. Father, for those that maybe have an addiction or uh, a problem, that they need to turn it over to you and say, God, I can't do it on my own. I just I need your help and your presence, and, and, and I need the support of your people around me. Father, whatever it is, whatever the giant is, whatever the difficulty is that's keeping us from you, Father, we pray that you would remove it, and Father, that you would draw them close to you. Father, we pray this all in, in the name of Jesus, whom we trust with our whole lives. We pray in his name. Amen.